You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers. And we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person. And that starts with our personal Personal check-in. Let's do it. I'm just going to introduce, just jump right in here and introduce Nick Allen, who is the Chief Program Officer at the United Way of the Greater Triangle. Nick, are you with us? Yeah, yeah, good morning. How are you? There he is. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Nick, for our listeners, and, and Rob as well, he's, he's a friend, a colleague, mm-hmm. a community hero, a dad, a husband, all the things, right? So he's going to have a lot to share with us today. Um, Absolutely. So Nick, you... You heard a little bit of what we what we just talked about. We brought Russ in, who's the executive director of Housing for New Hope, um, mm-hmm. and he kind of just unpacked, you know, that the whole idea around transitional housing, the needs that have grown since COVID, which across the board, right, everyone's needs have gone up, and just the proximity that we bring in all the time for him is really exponential because he was saying to us just even having needing help having people move people in right like that that's you know we're trying to physical distance from each other and yet there are community members who are in between housing and are trying to be moved into spaces and they need bodies and people to help still do that work so we talked about in our last podcast missions don't change right that routines change but missions don't change and so i know at the united way you all are trying to address these critical needs and these more immediate like uh response needs to what's happening to our world right now mm-hmm. um and i want to get into that because you all have been really doing some incredibly good work and quick work which i'm so impressed mm-hmm. by so thank you for that. And we'll, we'll unpack that. But before we do, I, I always want to just, Rob and I like to touch base because we're humans first. And you and Nikki and Cheese, which is his, the baby, um, yes. <laughs> and a new baby on the way. You got a lot going on at the house, my friend. And so you got, you got a family and like all of us, we're kind of stuck in our environments right now. So how, how are you doing? How are you holding up? How's the family? Yeah, we're, we're we're doing pretty good. Everybody's healthy, first and foremost. I think uh, in a time like this, you 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 learn to appreciate those types of things. We're we're, we're happy, we're healthy, we're managing, we're adjusting. There there are very few things more adaptable than a toddler and a pregnant partner, right? And so I'm I'm trying I'm trying not to be the the weakest link in the house. <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing they're doing an incredible job of just kind of creating this new normal for all of us. But but you know I'm not gonna lie, sheltering in place for the toddler is, is a is a learning experience. It's kind of one of those reference points where if you can get through this, it will make future challenges pale in comparison. Right. Some serious Love character, that. serious character development time, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, it's an incredible uh, opportunity, I think, when you kind of turn down the noise of the world all around you and 
things kind of kind of get more focused on, on your home and kind of your space. You have an opportunity to kind of listen to and gain some new perspective on on the things that really matter. And so I, I've, I've enjoyed the time to just kind of see up close and personal, twenty four hours a day, kind of the development of a of a young person and and and, and kind of admire the way that Nikki is able to do her thing as a mother. And like I said earlier, I'm just trying not to get in the way of that and help out and participate and, and be a part of this uh, experience the best way that I can. Mm. That sounds like a good formula. Good it sounds job. like a, yeah, just like we talked about <laughs> Russ, that, a good perspective. That sounds like a good perspective to have, right? Of just, you gotta, mm-hmm. you have to look clearly at things that are going on that are troubling, but also at the same time, you have to look at where, where can we be thankful uh, in this time and what, what can we, what do we have that we want to make sure we appreciate? That's good. Well, Nick, tell us with your role at United Way, you've been doing this work for now for a, a long time. You all, you have a unique vantage point on some of the most important social issues um, that, that have existed for a long time as you come alongside nonprofits who are serving the community. So t- just tell us, Right now, what what inequities or disparities is this crisis revealing to you in general, kind of in, in communities, maybe in philanthropy? But just take take that question wherever you want to run with it. But we we just spent time talking with Russ about how vulnerable groups, homeless individuals, and families are being affected specifically right now, and that that's that's one topic I'd love to hear you speak on because you guys have been doing really important work in that space for a while before the cri- this crisis. You're right. But what what is that vantage point? Tell tell us, walk us through how you're seeing things on the whole, kind of that ten thousand foot view before we kind of get down to the micro. At the United Way, we have a pretty ambitious mission to eradicate poverty and increase social mobility through the power of partnerships. And really, that is a that is aiming at the most marginalized folks in our community, in our triangle community, and really understanding the barriers to success that that these folks are experiencing. Each and every day, and 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 then when you layer on to that a worldwide pandemic, you can only imagine that as folks' attention turn a little bit to their own needs and their own worries and their own stresses, those marginalized communities potentially could become more invisible. And so, our rapid response fund um, that was set up a, a couple weeks ago to respond very quickly and acutely to those communities, really understanding how COVID-related closures and restrictions are impacting uh, those folks who are relying on systems just to kind of make it day by day. And so when you talk about disparities, the disparities existed before COVID. I think what COVID does is it magnifies them and it kind of accelerates the, the, the negative impacts that it's having on communities. It's going to be very interesting to see as the information unfolds and comes out and studies are done and how the health disparities that we know exist in this, in, in this country, in this community, are playing a part in the impacts that COVID is having on um, those communities. is going to be both revealing um, but also affirming in some ways. And so I read something um, earlier this week. We're starting to do some research in New York, which is a hotbed of kind of COVID exposure. And they're starting to put racial data alongside folks who are testing positive for COVID. And, and we're starting to see, not surprisingly, that communities of color are emerging as the, 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 the folks most negatively impacted health-wise. 
And then you start to ask those questions about like, okay, so why, why is that, right? And you take a look at kind of the evolution of what we've experienced over the past three weeks to a month, and you, you look at, you know, the initial testing was aimed at folks. The, the, the qualifications for testing were, did you travel overseas or do you know anybody that traveled overseas? Right? And if you answered no to that, then you didn't get a test. Right? Mm. And so ima- imagine people, who, imagine the folks who answered yes to that. Right? What, who, who, what did they look like? Who did they look like? Who, mm. were, were, were they marginalized, mm-hmm. low-resource communities? Probably not, right? And so mm. what was happening was that we weren't able to identify COVID in those communities very early on, right? And then you, you talk about the conditions and the living conditions in the neighborhood that these folks have gone back to. You talk about close quarter living, multiple people, multiple families living in homes, which makes it almost impossible to self-isolate, right? And so we, we see disparities in housing. We see disparities in health. We see disparities in income. You, you talk about the folks who are still working during this time, you know, mm. um, and how that's impacted and how people are having to choose between making money and providing resources for their family and being exposed to a deadly virus, right? And so I recognize my privilege in being able to, to, to take my work home and work remotely. But if I'm, if I'm working in a warehouse or I'm not cleaning buildings or I'm serving food, you know, have you tried to clean a building remotely, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not possible. And so many of the folks who are still working are still having to make those decisions on whether they can stay home or go to work and make money for their family. They're continuing their exposure to a very dangerous situation. And so I think those types of disparities are being revealed and magnified and certainly marginalized communities are going to come out on the worst if we do not consider the decisions that we're making along the way and the impacts they have on the folks who are suffering the most. Mm. Nick, thank you for that. That was just a very succinct way of analyzing what's happening right now and what I'm sure we're going to continue to, like you said, the data scientists are just going to pump this information out and we we won't be startled, right? We're not going to be startled by the findings. And I really appreciate that perspective on the testing, that early testing. Um, mm-hmm. Just another subtle example that does separate people, right? It really does put one one grouping of people on one side of a line and and others on another. And the outcome here is lives and generational impact, right? Because Absolutely. of small decisions like this. So now this isn't necessarily a shift. What I want to ask you though is with all that you have just said, what's the impact of this? Like how's the community responded? No, you know, I, I think I think we're we're fortunate enough to live in in a triangle community that really rallies around its neighbors, and we've seen tremendous support in donations to uh, the Rapid Response Fund, both from kind of an individual community member, all the way to our corporate sponsors who have a significant presence uh, in the triangle. Everybody's given what they can and incredibly fortunate for the relationship that we have with uh, Capital Broadcasting and WRAL. Like we hosted a day-long telethon yesterday where continuously we were able to provide a platform for our nonprofit partners to explain the work that's happening during this crisis and how they are continuing to serve folks. And I think it really gave perspective and was an opportunity for storytelling that was able to reach to our community and, and really drive donations to the Rapid Response Fund. We announced 
kind of were at around $650,000 raised as a result of all those conversations and relationships. And and we were working to get those dollars out as quickly as possible to nonprofits that are working with those most vulnerable and impacted by COVID-related activities and decisions. And so, but we also understand that the need is incredible, right? So we opened up the fund for donations a couple of weeks ago. We opened up applications for nonprofits to apply for funding just last week. And so in about a week's time, we've received 75 applications with requests over $2 million. We asked folks to anticipate or explain one month of, of mm-hmm. services. And so that $2 million represents one month of increased or spiked services in really critical areas of need around food, childcare, education, and healthcare and housing. And so the need is incredible. Um, the community response is incredible. We know this is a marathon, right? This is, mm. this is not something that's going to be over in the next couple of weeks or the next month or so. And so we are, we are proud to stand alongside our community members and, and continuing to get resources in the hands of, the, of people doing the good work and happy to be that, that facilitator and that partner uh, for the triangle. Mm. Yeah, well, well, we we appreciate the way that you're you're showing up for our communities right now, Nick. On behalf of of me and Jess and, and all our listeners, I know that and I know that it is really encouraging to hear the way that our community has rallied around the most vulnerable right now, and the response has been encouraging. But I I know you would agree that the need is is still greater, right? And the work mm-hmm. is not done. You mentioned that marathon mentality, so I know that there are ways that people. I know there are people listening in right now to this interview that have not yet joined forces with what you're doing, haven't found ways to get proximate to their vulnerable neighbors, even as they Mm -hmm. practice quarantine. So what are some practical ways that people listening in right now that haven't jumped in yet can do that in practically supporting the work and opportunities that that you've got going on right now? Yeah. So, you know, I I think the low hanging fruit answer is obviously if you're compelled to to give and donate, you can go to unitedwaytriangle.org to donate what you can to, to these efforts. But I would be remiss if I did not mention the opportunity that we have to really understand the issues that we're that we've been working on, that our partners have been working on before COVID. I think the solution to this, while we absolutely need to meet immediate needs, I think the long term solution is is really around how do we prepare our community to respond to incredible stressors like this in the long haul, right? So like how do we make sure that everybody in our community has the ability to absorb, whether it be a short-term barrier or enormous barrier like COVID in the future if this were to, to happen again. And so really understand the root cause of these issues. Take the time to find a trusted source of information. Really challenge yourself to, to learn uh, about what, it, what it's going to take to respond both in the short term and the long term. I think there's a tangible opportunity for folks to really um, lean in if you're fortunate enough and privileged enough to, to have the time to do some reading, do some research, do some learning, I think in the long haul, that's also going to benefit our work in the way that we can provide services and reduce barriers for marginalized communities across the triangle. Hmm. That's good, man. Thank you, Nick. This is I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Hope that you continue to press in, and and we're gonna want to try. We're gonna link arms with you as best as we can to be able to do do that. So appreciate you um, you spending time with us today, and I think that's that's well said, right? Get involved, donate if you have the ability, right? But also do your homework. I, I yeah. think that's a great. It's an important one-two punch because that way you know how to aim your resources well 
towards the ways that are going to actually help us heal down to the root, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I absolutely appreciate you two being a source of information for folks and getting good information and, and, and good talking points out there for people to, to consider. Stay Thanks, well, Nick. my friend. Thanks. Yeah. Tell Nikki, give Cheese a hug. Give Tell Nikki we she's doing the good work there. You know, take care of you. Oh, oh yeah. She, she's, the, she's the anchor. She's holding it down. She, she is she, holding it down, brother. She, she's, the, she's the local hero in this house for sure. I love it. I love Appreciate it. You, All right. Nick. Be well. Be well, friend. All right. Y'all have a good one. Be healthy. Whew. Okay. That was a, that was a lot of good yeah. information right there. Yeah, lots of good information. It just shows how, you know, our community continues to rally. Everybody's kind of staying in their lane, which I, I love. And I think that that's appropriate. It might seem like, oh, everybody should be like out of their lane and then everybody else's lane. No, truly just do what you have been doing. Do it better. Do it more as efficiently as possible and let the folks like us and other community members rally around you to hold your arms up to do it at a whole nother level. Like you can see that people are really doing their own expertise and work at like heroic levels, which is yay. I love it. You know, just to be positive. I mean, it's a lot going on right now, y'all, but this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. What stood out, if you could, what was, what's one moment in that two-part interview, Jess, that stood out to you? What, what would be your main takeaway from these, these conversations? That the needs have grown, like the actual physical needs of people that we can still kind of support and work on. They're there. I mean, Russ was just so clear about needing home kits. I mean, mm. like, did the, and I, I know we can talk in big, big 30,000 feet. And I think our listeners get this. We're in these weird times, but like home kits. And, and I think what those are, if, if I'm remembering, it's like a shower curtain and mm. the little rod, you know, the, the little spinny, <laughs> the things are not the rod, but the, whatever the hook shower curtains and a hook, right. Mm-hmm. Um, disinfectant and cleaner so that people have dignity when they move into their home, that they have something, they have something to protect the water from their bathroom floor, like little things mm-hmm. like that, as well as towels, as well as sheets and, and uh, some of the other major things. But like when Russ is saying we are moving people into homes that are empty, y'all, that is, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we didn't take enough time to like pause on that, but that's, it, it's undignified one and yeah. it's heartbreaking for a family who's already suffering the trauma of being homeless to move into a home that has nothing in it. And you just, it's bare and, and mm-hmm. it's already unnerving the times that we're in. And so like that really shook me a little. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Nick laying out the philosophy around testing and have you traveled abroad for mm-hmm. me was something I hadn't really considered before thinking about the, the unconscious bias with that. So yeah, there's a lot there for me. There was. There was How about a lot. You? you know, just the themes that really hit home for me was similar to what you said of for Nick when he pointed out that COVID didn't create the disparities that we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, through this crisis. It, it's magnifying them. And I had a friend tell me in a recent conversation that this is just a really revealing time uh, right yeah. now. And and I think that's true. It's a revealing of, of character of us as people, uh, of us as society, but it's also revealing of the, the fissures that were already there, right? Um, right. That are only being amplified. And and so I love what, to me, 
he this vision that he had of saying, hey, we need to take the time to understand root causes of the issues so that we can take the proper short-term response, but also be positioned for, for flourishing in the long term. This can't, we can't just look at this in the vacuum of, of the here and now. We need to, it needs to be the both ends that we, you and I always yeah. talk about. Um, yeah. Because that vision he laid out was so beautiful. And I think that the Russ even laid this vision out with, with his perspective of what, what, what's the end game for them is preparing our communities to respond to this crisis so well that one day, everyone, we're working towards a, trying to get to a place, a more just space where everyone has the margin to absorb a crisis like this. Everyone right. has the cushion that, you know, frankly, that I have, right? Like I, that, right. That, that you have, like we all have different levels of it, but, but the goal would be for everyone to be able to, to be able to take a hit like this without it being crushing. Um, right. Because that's what it means to have a just society. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me, my, I don't know about you, my show up moment is, looking at ways I can leverage my own resources, time, talent, and treasure to be able to contribute to that vision right now, not wait, and also take the time to understand the issues the way that Nick challenged us to. Don't just aim your resources, but make sure that you are doing your homework so that you know how to invest those resources well in the short and long term. What's, what's yeah. your show up moment? Yeah, no, I, that's so good. Well, first, just to remind our listeners about the Rapid Response Fund, making a contribution to that, I think, is a really quick way for our mm-hmm. listeners to get in there on unitedwaytriangle.org. I made a donation last week. It takes two minutes, if that, to just quickly hit a button, keep it moving. I just did a calculation on how much money I spent on coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, people do that mm-hmm. easy stuff where they're like, yep. hmm, what am I not spending on money on today? Yeah. And yeah. just put it into the community. And then my son, when he decides he wants to wake up today and come out, we'll probably be talking about that home kit because it really did move me. And so we'll probably order some things off of Amazon. I know these are, you know, our show up moments are different. Mine are really practical today. Make a donation. Think about, you know, just moving some money in your budget that you aren't spending over into the community. That's a good way to do it. And then for me, Housing for New Hope is really close to my heart. So if we got folks who need some of the basic things that I overlook every day in my own home, I'm happy to go on Amazon and put one together for them. So those are the two things I'm going to do. I love it. I love it. Well, I think this is good. Let's stay, let's keep talking, Jess. Let's keep leaning in. And uh, yeah, yeah. Until next time. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. This is a good one. This is a good one, my friend. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Just, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.